Hi, welcome to the New Covenant Presbyterian Church Sermon Podcast, a congregation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, the OPC, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Amen. Brothers and sisters, if you would, please remain standing and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. As you know, we just finished last week going through the book of the Song of Songs, and so we're going to be returning uh, back to the book of Matthew for some time. If you remember, uh, before we, we went through the Song of Songs, we had just finished the Sermon on the Mount, which uh, concludes with chapter 7. And so we'll be picking up in Matthew chapter 8 this morning and looking at verses 1 through 4. Again, that's Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Please give your attention now to the reading of God's holy word. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one. But go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Amen. Thus far the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Let's pray. Oh, Father. How we do pray that you would open our eyes to behold wonderful things in your word this morning. Help us to see the glory of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was not one who merely preached as one who had authority, but who shows his great authority in all that he does. Help us, O Lord, to see that when we are in the uncleanness of our sins, that the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who is able to cleanse us and grant us even the faith of this leper, to say, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And may it be, Lord, that you would grant all of us the grace uh, so to come to the Lord Jesus and receive cleansing. We ask that you would work all these things in our hearts, O Lord, for we know that the preaching of the word, when it is not accompanied by the Spirit, cannot produce anything but condemnation. Lord, may it be that you would work life in us rather than death by your Spirit. For we ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Brothers and sisters, what what is the point of miracles? Why is it that the Lord Jesus Christ came and did many miracles during his earthly ministry? What are we to take away from them? What is it that we are required to believe about them? Now, there are a number of things that we could say. One, the most basic level is we have to believe that they happened. We have to believe, of course, that the Lord Jesus Christ really did uh, the things that that the gospels say that he did. And yet, though, there's more. Uh, the, The miracles are not just simply things that were done so that we, to give us things to believe in, but they had a particular purpose. And we're told something of this purpose at the beginning of Hebrews chapter 2, where uh, the author to the Hebrews says that God bore witness to the truth of the gospel by giving signs and wonders on the earth. The purpose of the miracles is to confirm the word which was spoken. That's the purpose of the miracles. And here we have in chapters 8 and 9 of the book of Matthew, which we're going to be beginning to look at uh, this morning and we'll be in for some time. But in Matthew chapters 8 and 9, there are many, many 
uh, recordings of the miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the point of Matthew's gospel is not to put things in chronological order, but rather in logical order. So we had in chapters five through seven, the overview of the authoritative teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, with regard to the kingdom of God. And now the question is, does Christ have the authority to preach the way he did? And the way in which Matthew answers that question is by saying, uh, uh, yes, he does. Emphatically, he says yes, because the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who does great signs and wonders. This is the way that everything that he says is in fact confirmed. And so it's important for us then to remember the context of Matthew chapters 8 and 9, because it is very much connected to what comes before it. If you remember in Matthew chapters 1 to 4, Matthew introduces uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an introduction to the Lord Jesus Christ and his ministry. We have his genealogy and birth in chapter 1. We have the reception of his birth being received by the Magi, but not being received very well by Herod in chapter 2. We have the attestation from uh, John and God the Father himself in John in Matthew chapter 3. We have his defeating of the devil and the introduction to his ministry in Matthew chapter 4. And in all of these things, the point that Matthew is trying to make is that Jesus is truly the Christ. Jesus really is the Christ. Everything that he says in Matthew chapters 1 through 4 is to show that everything that the prophets have said, everything that the Old Testament spoke about with regard to the coming of the Messiah has been fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we have an introduction to the teaching ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the very famous Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5 through 7. And here, one of the things that Matthew consistently emphasizes about the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ is that it came with great authority. It came with very great authority. And so, for instance, the Lord Jesus Christ will say in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5, you know, if, if, you are, if you are persecuted for my sake, for my sake, then you are blessed. Not just if you're persecuted for the sake of God. The prophets were persecuted for the sake of God. But Christ says there is a blessing if you are persecuted for me. For me. And then he also says, also in chapter 5, numerous times, you have heard it said this, but I tell you this, I am the authoritative teacher of the law. I am the, the last word on all the issues. You've heard it said this, but I say this. And then we also have in chapter 7, the Lord Jesus Christ says, you know, not all who say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. There he sets himself up as, after going through uh, a number of things about what it means to truly live as part of the kingdom of God, he says, in the end, it will be my decision whether or not I turn you away on the last day. I am the judge with whom you have to do. Not all who say to me, Lord, Lord, but this is the one that I will turn away, and this is the one that I will admit. And then he concludes the Sermon on the Mount by saying that uh, the one is blessed who builds his house on the rock, and the, that one is one who hears my words, my words and does them. The Lord Jesus Christ, all throughout the Sermon on the Mount, has set himself up not like a scribe or a Pharisee. He sets himself up as being God, because he truly was God. This is the authoritative teaching that he gave, and this is why at the end of Matthew chapter 7, it is that the crowds, it says that the crowds were astonished at his teaching, because it came with power and authority. He was not teaching like a scribe or a Pharisee. He showed the ways in which the things that he was proclaiming, lined up with and were consistent with the things that Moses taught. And yet, and yet, he also shows himself to be more authoritative even than Moses. 
He is the true king of the kingdom of God. And the only way that you can gain entrance into this kingdom is by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, is by following him. You cannot gain entrance by following anyone else, not Moses, none of the prophets. It is only by the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of them bore witness first and foremost to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if this is the beginning of the gospel of Matthew, if he's given this introduction, and if he's given this kind of summary of the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ, the next logical question to ask is this. How could this man possibly believe that he has this kind of authority? How could he possibly believe that he has this kind of authority? Surely this is, he's claiming ultimate authority in all of these ways. He's claiming ultimate authority, nothing less than being God himself. And the answer that's given is what's recorded for us in Matthew chapters 8 and 9. This is the densest record of the miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ by far in the gospel of Matthew, the densest record. Uh, there are nine that are, uh, that are recorded. Um, some count 10, but there, there are nine or 10. And the way that Matthew does this is he'll, he'll record three miracles and he'll give one brief instruction, a uh, bit of instruction with regard to discipleship, three miracles, discipleship, three miracles, uh, and discipleship. And the point is in all things, it's not just to show that Christ uh, is a, a great worker of miracles, but remember, the, there is a, always a purpose with miracles. So if you think of the, the Gospel of John, uh, oftentimes the miracles that, that Jesus does in the Gospel of John, they confirm the I am statement that the Lord Jesus Christ makes concerning himself. And so, you know, he'll say, I am the way and the truth and the life, or he'll, he'll say, I am the resurrection and the life, and then he'll raise Lazarus from the dead. So you know that he, he really is the way, the truth, and the life, the, the, the way and the life. He'll say, I am the light of the world, and he'll give, eye, he'll give sight to the blind. So there is a connection between the things that Jesus says and the miracles that he particularly performs. And if you were to ask, what is the emphasis in chapters 8 and 9? What is the thing that's, that Matthew is trying to prove by the miracles in chapters 8 and 9? It is simply this, that Christ has ultimate authority. He has, he has authority as one who is, in fact, God. And so, as we'll see, he has authority over leprosy. He has authority to simply speak a word with the centurion's son. The centurion says, you know, I myself am one who's under authority, and I have authority. I say go, and, and one obeys. I know that you have this authority, and you can simply say the word. So the, the emphasis there is, is on authority. Christ has authority uh, even over diseases. We see that Christ has authority over the winds and the waves, such that the disciples marvel and say, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? He has authority over the winds and the waves. He has the authority to command demons, the authority to forgive sins, which is even as we see in Matthew chapter 9, uh, as we'll look at in, in the weeks to come, that, that Jesus even says in verse 6, he says, that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he, he, he heals the man who was paralyzed. And the crowds marvel at the authority which was given to men. Christ has authority to heal the man, the, the woman who is in the flow of her blood. He has authority even to raise the dead. He has authority to heal the blind. And he has authority to make the mute speak. The purpose of Matthew chapters 8 and 9 is to say that Christ has authority. Which means then... Everything that he has just taught in the Sermon on the Mount, everything is true. Everything is true. And if you were to ask then, what is the requirement? How, what's the appropriate response to reading all of these miracles that the Lord Jesus Christ does in Matthew chapters 8 and 9? The answer would simply be this, that you would believe him, that you would obey him, that you would recognize that he is the King of Kings, that he is the Lord of Lords, that he is to be obeyed. 
that you would recognize he is the king, you are not, and you must submit to him in everything. You must submit to him in everything. And that he is the one who is the true teacher of the kingdom of God. And all of this, if you remember back to uh, uh, the early days of our uh, preaching through Matthew, all of this is meant to lead you to the confession that Peter makes in chapter 16. This is the Christ, the son of the living God. Everything in Matthew up to chapter 16 is meant to confirm this great confession. And this is the thing that Matthew is trying to get you to see, the confession he wants you to make. This is the Christ, the son of the living God. This is the Christ, the son of the living God. You must listen to him. Now, the very first of these miracles is the cleansing of the leper. And this is what we'll look at here this morning. Here we see that Christ has great power and authority, as we'll see with all the miracles. But there is a particular emphasis here on Christ's power and authority to cleanse. Christ's power and authority to cleanse. He has the authority to cleanse all those who come to him in faith. We'll see here the, the faith of the, the leper who comes to him uh, with, with quite a lot of faith, believing in, in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he is able to do for him. So we'll look at the faithful request of the healing. We'll look at the authoritative cleansing of the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 3. And then we'll look at the instructions that the Lord Jesus Christ gives to the leper in verse 4. So that'll be, that'll be the three points that we uh, consider this morning. Again, that's the faithful request for the healing the authoritative healing itself, the cleansing, and then the instructions that are given uh, at the end. And the point is to show that the Lord Jesus Christ is able to cleanse all those who come to him in faith. If you come to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith, even though you're in the uncleanness of your sins, Christ cannot be defiled and is able to cleanse you. He is able to cleanse you. Now, look at me again then at verses 1 and 2 as we consider the faithful request. You'll notice in verse 1, the, the setting for, uh, really for uh, chapters 8 and 9, Christ is coming down off the mountain. And there are a number of people that are following the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ comes down off the mountain, uh, having expounded the law of the kingdom, just as Moses came down off the mountain, and ha having received the law from God. One of the things that we'll see all throughout the Gospel of Matthew is that uh, Matthew shows that the Lord Jesus Christ is the new Moses. We had just read in Acts chapter 3 the quotation that, that Peter gives as he's preaching of Deuteronomy 18, where, uh, where he says, Moses even said that, there, that God would raise up a prophet like you uh, from among your brethren. And one of the things that Matthew shows is that this prophet like Moses is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who is like Moses and yet goes far beyond him. And so just as uh, Moses received the law on a mountain and preached to the people, so too the Lord Jesus Christ. And so after coming down off the mountain, then the leper comes to him and he bows down to him. And as it says in the New King James Version, which is what I'm, I'm looking at, it says he worshiped him and he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, a number of things to keep in mind about lepers in this time. Now, this is different from uh, the narrow definition of leprosy that's given today. It's different than what is, is called medically Hansen's disease. Uh, it's, it could cover any number of skin diseases. But the main thing to keep in mind about this particular situation for this man is that what it meant was is that he was unclean. He had to stay outside of the camp, so to speak. He had to stay, stay outside of society. He had to warn people uh, when they would come too close to him that he was in fact unclean because he knows that if he touches them, 
that they themselves will become unclean. They will contract his uncleanness. They'll have to wash, they'll have to quarantine, that sort of thing, until they can become ceremonial, uh, ceremonially clean. It also means that he is uh, separated from the worship of God. He has no ability to enter into the assembly of uh, the worship of God. So he's in some sense cut off from, that, from the benefits of that worship. So he's outside of society. He has this uh, difficult uh, situation that he has to deal with. And he is uh, cut off from the worship of God. All of these things, all these things are the, are the situation that this particular leper uh, is, uh, is facing. And it's significant. It's significant as we think about this being the first miracle. The first thing that, that uh, Matthew records in this long uh, section of, uh, of any number of miracles that he, he records uh, is that Christ comes to, to, to heal and to cleanse those who are, uh, because of their uncleanness, cut off from the people of God and from the worship of God. And it's, it's significant too to think that the next miracle that's recorded is the healing given on behalf of a Gentile. So th- these two things, those who are separated from God because of their uncleanness and those who are outside of God because they're, they're Gentiles. Uh, Christ has come to seek and save that which was lost and to even bring those who were far off to bring them near, as the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. And so this, this is the situation for this leper. Uh, he is he is cut off in very many ways from society and from worship, and so and so <coughs> excuse me, and so he comes and makes this request. Now, one of the things to note the the, the great thing that that Matthew emphasizes in this request is the faith of the leper. He has great and tremendous faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just that Christ is going to come and cleanse all. He comes and cleanses all who truly come to him in faith. Now, there are a number of ways in which this is highlighted, which uh, Matthew highlights this. First, you'll notice that the leper comes and worships him. He comes and he bows down before him. And then secondly, he calls him Lord. Now, there are some who will say, you know, uh, the leper could not have really known. There's no way he could have known that, that Jesus was fully God. There's no way he could have known that. And they'll say, you know, this word for worship, and this is true, this word for worship uh, can mean bow down. And it would be appropriate to use this word for an earthly ruler, for instance. It doesn't necessarily have to be divine worship given to, uh, to, to God himself. And that's true. That's, that's not something that's wrong. And they'll, they'll point out as well that the word Lord does not necessarily mean God. Um, you know, there are many lords uh, in, in this world. And that, that word that, that Matthew uses here for Lord uh, is used of other, of other people as well. And so some, some, some will say something like, um, the confession of the leper here tends to, to the confession that Jesus is fully God, and yet he could not have really known that. He could not have really known that. But, but and even though it is, it is true that those are potential objections, it is important to note that if Jesus really is God, and if the leper truly does understand it, he would bow down and he would worship and he would call him Lord. So there's nothing that contradicts that. But the thing that shows that the, that the leper actually does, in fact, understand that Jesus is God and that his confession of faith is, in this sense, orthodox, and it is just like the confession of faith that you make before the Lord Jesus Christ, is by what he actually says. He does not just say, Lord. He says, Lord, if you will, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So we put all these things together. He comes to this person, this one who's a man, who is outwardly uh, not glorious, he bows down before him, he calls him Lord, and then he says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If, if you are willing. Now, uh, one of the things that, that uh, 
one of the church fathers, Chris Austin, points out, a fourth century church father commenting on this passage, he says, uh, with great fervor, before Jesus' knees, the leper pleaded with him with sincere faith. So here Chrysostom is argue, arguing that uh, the leper really did understand that Jesus was fully God. He says, he discerned who Jesus was. He did not state conditionally, if you requested of God, he doesn't say if you requested of God, or if you pray for me. Rather, he said simply, if you will, you can make me clean. He did not pray, Lord, Lord, cleanse me. Rather, he leaves everything to the Lord and makes his own recovery depend entirely on him. Thus, he testified that all authority, all authority belongs to him. He understood that Christ, if he is willing in himself, had the authority of himself to cleanse the leper. He understood that. And therefore, he says, not pray for me to God, but he says, if you will, you can make me clean. Now, think of how unique this is. Think of how unique this is. Uh, if you were to, were to compare this kind of thing to, say, Moses, the greatest worker of miracles easily in the Old Testament, if you compare these two things, uh, did Moses ever do any kind of miracle without God commanding him to do it? The answer would, would be no. Think of all the signs and wonders in Egypt. Think about all the plagues. God would say, stretch out your hand over this or that thing, and this will happen. It was always God commands Moses, Moses is obedient, Moses acts. Moses had no authority to do things of his own will. Even if you think about the way in which the people complain to Moses when they're in the wilderness, Moses then wouldn't just give them the things they want. He would then go to God, and God would then tell him what to do for the people. But think about how different this is with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you will, if you will, you can make me clean. Now, this clearly shows that the leper truly believed that Jesus was fully God, that Jesus was fully God. There are some who will say that the doctrine of the deity of Christ is nowhere to be found in the Synoptic Gospels in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. They'll say, you know, it was, it's in John, but, you know, John's probably not authentic, and they say, They'll say things like, you know, the epistles have theology greatly different than, um, than the Gospels. Jesus himself didn't ever claim to be God. And, you know, this was something that developed way later uh, in, the, in the history of the church. That's what they'll say. And yet, here we have a very clear implication. Jesus has to be God. He is the one who, if he is willing, he is able uh, to cleanse this man. And the leper is one who believed it. He makes a very faithful request. He believes that Jesus is fully God. And now you may be saying, well... That's what the leper believed, um, but perhaps it could still be right that the Lord Jesus Christ uh, didn't do anything on his own account to say that he is fully God. And yet, notice what he says. He does not correct the leper. He doesn't say, I will pray on your behalf. He says very simply, I will. I will. I will it. Let it be done. He doesn't say God wills it. He says, I will. Let it be done. Now, again, Chris saw some comments on this. He says, Jesus did not say, be clean, but rather responded to the leper's assumption saying, I will be clean. This left no doubt as to whether the leper's assumption was correct. Jesus simply approved it. Jesus simply approved everything that the leper was saying, and everything that the leper was saying clearly assumed that Jesus was fully God. Think about how different this is, even uh, from the way that uh, the apostles heal, even in the book of Acts. And even as we just read in, in Acts chapter 3 earlier, where they say, where Peter and John say, when, they, when the, the layman is, is given the ability to walk, 
And they say, why do you stare at us as though we, by our own strength, by our own power, by our own authority, by our own godliness, that we were able to, to raise this man up? It wasn't because of anything in us. It was because of the name of Jesus. And Jesus, all throughout his own ministry, operated under the same assumption. Uh, the authority is given to Christ. If the apostles are going to heal, it's in the name of Christ. But Christ heals of his own authority because he is the one who is, in fact, fully God. He is the one who is, even as we'll see, Peter confessed, he is the one who is truly the Christ, the son of the living God. The leper believed it, and because he believed it, because he believed it, he was cleansed. He was immediately cleansed. Now, another thing to note about the actual healing, and this actually comes before the declaration that, that Jesus gives. Notice that, the, that Matthew goes out of his way to say at the beginning of verse 3, that Jesus touched the man, that Jesus touched the man. And this is very, very important. This is not something that Jesus had to do. Uh, we'll see next week with regard to the, the healing of the centurion servant that he doesn't even have to be in the same vicinity in order to do any healings. He can simply say the word. And he, he certainly was already close to the man, so there was no need to touch him. And yet Matthew goes out of his way to say that Jesus touched him. Now, why is this significant? Why is this detail added? The reason is because Remember who the leper is. He is unclean. And if anyone touches him, if anyone touches him, he will contract uncleanness. This is why there, was even, there were even laws in the Old Testament in Leviticus that prohibited the, the touching of someone who was unclean or, or things that were unclean. Because if you did, you would contract the uncleanness and then you would, you would have to wash and you would not be able to attend worship for some amount of time. And yet, Christ goes out of his way to say, to, to, to actually not just say, I will be clean, but even to touch him. Now, Haggai goes into this, uh, explains the, the problem with this in, in uh, chapter 2 of the book of Haggai. He notes that if you touch an unclean thing, it's not that the unclean thing becomes clean. Rather, you contract the uncleanness of the unclean thing. And then secondly, though, if you touch something that's holy, something that came from the temple, you do not contract its holiness. Basically, things move towards uncleanness. They can be sanctified, but just simply touching something that's holy does not, in fact, make you holy. And yet, this is exactly what happens when Christ touches the leper. Not only does Christ not contract the uncleanness, but it is through the touching that the leper is, in fact, cleansed. Now, what would be the point of this? Why, why does the Lord Jesus Christ do this? The point is to show that Christ is the one who is so radiantly pure, who is, who is so incorruptibly pure that he cannot be defiled by anything. And whereas with the temple, things could defile the temple, nothing can defile Christ. And he, in his own person, makes all who come to him holy. You, if you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no need to fear, you know, I, I know I'm terribly unclean because of all my sins. How could the Lord Jesus Christ accept me? Do, am I not... Uh, am I not uh, a burden on one who is so radiantly clean? But the Lord Jesus Christ shows here, he cannot be defiled. He cannot be defiled. He is, in this sense, the, the perfect replacement of the temple. Everything to which the temple was pointing forward is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in the temple that the people of God were sanctified so as to enter the presence of God. But yet, that temple could be defiled. The Lord Jesus Christ, as the true temple, as he says of himself in John chapter 2, as the true temple, is the one who brings perfect holiness and cleansing to all who come to him. And there is nothing 
There is nothing that can defile him. And so he touches the man. He touches the man to show, I am the one who transmits holiness. If you come to me, you will be made clean. And even beyond that, you will be made holy. And thus he touches the man and immediately the leprosy is cleansed. Immediately the leprosy is cleansed. Now the last thing that happens in in verse 4 is that Jesus says uh, really two things. He says, first, negatively, see that you tell no one. And then he says, secondly, go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now, there are a few places in Matthew, it's a bit more common in Mark, but there are a few places in Matthew where Christ commands those whom he heals to tell no one. We're not going to touch on the reason for that uh, here now in in much detail. We'll have an opportunity to look at that at other points. But the main idea is simply that Christ does not want to propagate uh, misunderstandings about who he is and what he's doing. And so he says, go tell, uh, he says, tell no one, but rather go to the priests, uh, offer the gift that Moses had commanded. Now, there are two uh, important things that this would have done. First, for the sake of the leper, this would have meant his reinstitution into society. He now is going to be shown to be clean. He can now enter society and he can also enter now into the worship of God. So there's quite a lot of grace uh, in this that, mo- that Jesus Uh, cares about this man being able to participate with the people of God. And this man, because he's cleansed, is now reinstituted into the people of God. But secondly, another thing that this shows, and this is important in the context of Matthew's gospel, it shows that Christ never breaks the law of Moses. He does not break the law of Moses. This is the accusation that the Pharisees always made against him. You do not uphold the law of Moses. And this is one of the things that Christ was emphasizing in Matthew chapter 5. He says, you know, um, you're, you're thinking that I'm breaking the law of Moses, but um, here's the authoritative teaching on what it means to murder. And it goes way beyond what the Pharisees say. And he says, you know, if you, unless your righteousness far surpasses the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of God. Christ shows himself to be the true and only upholder of Moses against everything that the Pharisees were accusing him of. And here, and here he even says, go and offer the gift that Moses had commanded. Now, this is, this is the, the, the first recording of, the, of a miracle that's given in Matthew chapters 8 and, and 9. If you were to ask again, why is this important? Why is it important that you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ has this kind of authority, that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Again, remember, the result of the faith of the leper is that he himself was cleansed. He comes, he believes the Lord Jesus Christ is this authoritative king, that he's God himself, that he is truly the Christ, the son of the living God, and he comes to him, and because he comes with that faith, he himself is cleansed. Now, many today uh, are uh, railing against all kinds of authority. This is, this is something that's very common today, you know, the authority of this or that institution, this or that thing that's in the culture, all of it needs to be torn down, that's what we're told and there is this great skepticism about authority, authority of all kinds. There is this great skepticism. And the point of these chapters is to show that the Lord Jesus Christ has perfect authority. But notice, it's not, it's not that, in, you know, there are all kinds of examples in this world today where people do abuse authority. And every time there's an authority that's abused, those who are under the authority, they get hurt. That's without question true. But this does not make authority in itself bad. Authority in itself is not bad. When a good ruler has great authority and uses it for the sake of the good of those under him, then everyone under him rejoices. And this is the way it is with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not despise the authority of Christ. 
It is only in coming under his authority that you can be cleansed. Because even if you're not a leper, even if we, we don't have the same kind of laws of uncleanness, you know, a, a sickness, maybe for pragmatic reasons would cause you to stay home from church, but uh, there's, there's no sense in which you, you taint the worship of God by coming into uh, his presence if you have uh, some kind of sickness or illness. Uh, we don't have the same kind of rules for cleanness and uncleanness, and yet it is ultimately sin that makes you unclean. It is sin that makes you unclean. And the only way to be cleansed is to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, not to despise his authority, but to recognize his absolute sovereignty, his perfect authority, and to submit yourselves to him. If you come to him with faith, like the leper, believing that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, if you make this confession to him and say, oh Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Brothers and sisters, the promise of the gospel is this, that he will not cast out any, not a single person who comes to him like this, and every single person will be cleansed by his blood. This is, this is the great promise of the gospel. If you come to him in faith, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ will cleanse you. If you find yourself to be in sin, if you find yourself to be walking your own way, if you find yourself to be in all these things and that it's miserable, which it is miserable, if you find all these things to be true, know that you can come to the Lord Jesus Christ, that you must come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you do, he will cleanse you from all of your sins. May it be that God would give you the grace to make the confession of the leper and so to be cleansed from all your sins. Let's pray. Oh, Father, how we do thank you for the cleansing blood of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. How we do thank you for his radiant purity. How we do thank you that he who even came in the likeness of sinful flesh yet could not be defiled uh, by sin itself, who is perfectly without sin and who could take all of our sins upon himself without being defiled by any of those sins and who is able by his great power and authority to cleanse us. How we do thank you for, for him who is our great king, who yet is the king who rules with perfect grace and love, who rules with great mercy and who cleanses those who truly come to him. How we do pray, O oh Lord, that you would grant us the grace always to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, always to believe in him as the one who is able to cleanse us. For we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at newcovenantopc.com. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. May God enlighten the eyes of your heart, that through the preached word your eyes may be opened to behold the glory of Christ more and more.